2: 18+. <laughs>
3: Did you bring wine?
4: I got the glasses.
3: You guys, I made a quiz.
4: No, I didn't bring anything, but I'm here to have fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello, and welcome to the official Broad Wasted podcast where we're drunk on theater. I'm your host, Brian Plofsky, and let's go to the movies. Maybe tomorrow will bring us a sign, but you're never fully dressed without a smile. I think I'm going to like it here, you dumb dog. It's going to be easy street. It's the hard knock life? No, I don't need anything but you and tomorrow, Well, the White House version. Joining us today are the usual little girls, including Kevin, Sandy, Jager. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that. I'll be like
4: one of the little girls for this episode.
0: <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, uh, 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 uh. I still use the dog's name for. Oh, you your- know what?
4: I I would totally get cast as Pepper, but I would be the kid who got cast as Pepper that was angry that I was too tall to be Annie. Like that's mm. totally my mo, by the way.
3: had to be Pepper. Your mo is being
0: angry, or your mo is being too tall for Annie.
4: Be angry that I'm too tall for
0: fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: There.
0: Right um kimberly are we got Annie game master an unofficial babysitter for the hour best number in the show best number in the show <laughs> uh well i use the movie ones for the yes best number in the show but i use the movie ones for this one because we haven't done it in a long time and i just had to end ranking on the brain so i, I whatever mm. anyway we
3: were just um we were just watching something and i was like this is giving me we got Annie vibes i don't remember what it was mm. And with us
0: today is someone you may have seen on Broadway in How I Learned to Drive and Arcadia, or your own personal screen in Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Taking Woodstock, Ms. Maisel, and a host of other things in addition to the upcoming The Girl You Talk to. Let's give a big, broad-waisted welcome to friend of the show,
1: friend, friend of, the
0: show, of the show, Alyssa
1: Mangold.
2: Hello. I'm Hello, a friend welcome. of
0: the show.
1: It's far.
0: We're very happy to have you.
2: I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have three new friends.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we have to split you into thirds, though, if that's fine.
2: Yeah, that's totally fine.
0: Yeah, I figured. I figured. Totally. Um, but let's start with, what are you drinking? What are you drinking?
2: Uh, me first. Okay, so I'm doing I'm doing two things. I have yes. a lovely uh, wine that was left over at my house from a dinner party. I don't know what it is, but it's nice. <laughs> it's uh, red. It's and great. then it's red. And... Um, uh, a, a dry, a Canada dry seltzer uh, with a handpicked lime b- picked by me from a deli. Um, it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait, now I'm going to say this. Like, this is hand-picked from the produce.
2: Hand-picked. I hand-picked it <laughs> Farm to table, deli to table. Yeah, deli
0: to <laughs> table. Like, handpicked by my Instacart delivery driver.
2: Uh-huh, handpicked not <laughs> by me, but by someone. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh squeezed by uh, Kim-
0: <laughs> Kimberly?
3: I'm also on the seltzer train. Um, of so I still have a few more weeks till I'm allowed to drink again. Once I pop a child out. But <laughs> it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting
2: way to put it.
3: I don't know. How many time, how many different ways gonna be like, I'm not drinking because I'm pregnant, but you can't see the bottom half of my body.
2: <laughs> that was a great that was great. I've never heard it said that way
3: before. I love
4: Remember it the, <laughs> the human making factory right now. and once yes. she is out of business, she will commence with the drinking.
3: My Instagram right now is all summertime cocktails <laughs> oh, yeah. and I can't decide if it's mean or like inspirational because <laughs> I'm just like, oh a rose sangria does sound
4: good I I saw on Instagram recently somebody posted like a they still call them memes or those things like the pictures with the words on it yeah there was like there was like a picture of like a woman who was holding like it was her hand holding up like a cocktail and it said I've waited nine months for you and in the background is like the baby sleeping and like close to it she wrote oh I guess you too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was, oh my
2: god
3: are you on my
2: instagram
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh god the instagram feed is interesting uh,
3: what are you oh. drinking? yeah out. kevin
0: what are you drinking
4: oh i am drinking um uh margarita like a basically just a mixed margarita with tequila that i poured into my broadway con 2016 cup
0: <laughs> what is it Handboard. uncle bill's like rodeo root beer uh,
4: Wild Wild Bill's old fashioned soda pop company. (laughs) We're just gonna keep giving them plugs. They don't pay for it, but I just (laughs) love this cup.
3: I know. We're giving them plugs. (laughs) And they like cater, can their truck come?
0: I mean, I'm sure that if you threw a party and you could hire that truck, I'm sure they do weddings like soda pop and stuff like that.
3: Baby showers if they don't I did not That's realize great. when I yes. like
0: when I elected for like the $13
4: drink that came with like the refillable cup. I didn't realize that seven years later I'd still be using it all the time. Yeah, That's it's the great.
2: Dream. That is what That's a collectible great. cup should look like. Well, agreed.
4: It's a, it's a really cool looking cup, but it's, it's a, also incredible yeah. because you pour it's really, really big and if you mm pour a lot of liquid in it it like keeps like the way the cup is designed or whatever it is it keeps it cold sure
2: that's priceless
4: so it's almost like a yeti but it's like a yeti in the form of like a cool-ass mug
3: keep it in the freezer
4: yeah yes oh that's what i do
2: that's so smart
4: okay world world exploded all right yeah (laughs) but like let's Um, let's
0: talk about your life (laughs) well i'm drinking. this is also not a promotion but i am drinking uh uncle nearest 1884 small batch whiskey um, on the rocks um it's very good has a nice little kick at the end
2: Um, um,
0: which oh i voted today
2: wonderful thank you for doing your civic duty my
0: pleasure um, I voted today for the Philadelphia mayor.
2: Good. That's right. You guys said it was primaries
0: today, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Primaries. Um, Ugh. now they'll leave me alone for a little bit, but because, man, when you move to a state where your vote like really does matter, it's wild. It's yeah. a crazy difference. did like, anybody else Hulu-
2: watch? Oh, God!
0: Oh, no. I'm just going to be like, Hulu, I know what you're going to say. Yes, I watched exactly. <laughs>
2: you, I mean, yes. Cool. <laughs> What a week for thinking about elections. What a week for, I know, that episode really. We have any say in anything. I know.
0: For those of you listening to this in the future, we're we're talking about um, episode eight of the last season of Succession, which is the election, which is wild. 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 Um. But yeah, um I I've uh, the Hulu ads that you get out here are just like this person's a trash person because they do these three like just so many Hulu's the one that I get a lot on, but like just like totally directed, but also like, it's, it's crazy, especially when the state Senate was going with like Oz versus Fetterman or oh, whatever it was. Okay, yeah. I mean, not whatever it was. I know what it was. But like, man, they were. I mean, it was wild. It was like watching a pay-per-view boxing fight via commercials. <laughs> like they were nasty. Oh, it was God. amazing.
4: I know that you mean Dr. Oz. Yes. When you said Oz, my first thought was. Does he mean Frank Oz, like the Muppet (laughs) tier? Or does he mean, like, the wonderful wizard? Or the wizard? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... A real election would be fun between the Wizard of Oz, Dr. Oz, and uh, Frank Oz. Oh, my God. I would...
4: I would would
2: love to see the Hulu ads for that.
4: Alyssa, this is really important. Who would you vote for? What are they running for, Kevin? It doesn't matter, Kimberly. It doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) I mean, I... I, I think Frank Oz. I think I want to see a whole Muppet government. I think. Oh, interesting. I, agree.
4: I think if he can do, he can do voices, yeah. he can be like, "Hold on, let me get the vice president," and then the vice president turns I'm out to just be Eagle. him, but it's also doing him. a different voice. Well, which
2: is kind of like in a, in a kind of meta way. Whoever you voted for, there you're kind of voting for three people who are doing different like sleight of hand. Kind Whoa.
0: of
2: situations, so all, I all the odds is. I mean, have you ever seen all three of them in the same room? I'm just saying.
0: This is oh, this is fascinating. I have I mean, not.
2: That okay, way we, so, could have,
0: we could have Yoda
4: and Miss Piggy for president at the same time.
2: That would be delightful. My- that would be the most <laughs> delightful <laughs> ticket to vote for.
4: <laughs> Sign me up. I'm in. You know what? Like the world has been so crazy lately that like. 2028, 20, I don't put it past them.
2: No. Does, does anyone else feel like at this point after the last couple of years, like I don't know what it would take for me to be truly surprised. No. I just no, think, like, yeah, nothing. What could nothing. happen that would make me go, that doesn't make any sense. Nothing has made any sense in Agreed. so long. Yeah, i just picking for president. I'll phone bank for her. First
3: gentleman Kermit defrog. Frog. Yes, is.
4: <laughs> I was just, in, or it's like a Survivor-style show in 2024, like where there's like eight contestants to be president, and we see like who survives the longest in the wilderness, and that's how we pick.
2: Honestly, that would be a great metric. I would be really interested. Yeah. I'm very into like survival <laughs> mindset and seeing who came out on top would be like really valuable information. Who formed good yeah. allies and who yeah. stabbed back.
0: I would watch a real-life Hunger Games. Ethically, I wouldn't want to, but I I would if it was presented to me.
3: Like it's a paint paintball, like they just, yeah, yeah. not I with
0: murder. No
2: one to be, yeah, exactly. I yeah, can't yeah, yeah, imagine if yeah. no one was being murdered.
0: Agreed, agreed. Also, so the
3: like the a p- really good stunt, and then you know, yes, be on the talk show, yeah, yeah, be on the reunion. I totally. want to see the
2: fashion when they all do the entrances and like people are, well, smiling. yeah, you know, that's what like, we want. Really dresses want dresses and flames and all,
4: absolutely, that like I want them to die the way they do on like uh, floors, lava. Where yeah, like, yeah. Where they have to go all the way down. Like they really sell it.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree. Agreed. agreed. I'm so into good. that. Speaking of lava, what's your favorite musical?
2: Um, funny you should mention lava. My favorite musical, I think, in this moment, is Hades Town. Whoa! Um, which is Wow, we have to I stop know-
0: doing this podcast. I actually did a good segue. That by was an accident.
2: amazing segue. <laughs> this is the last episode of
0: Broadway Stid. Thank you so much for joining us. I
2: got in just under the wire. Yeah, just under the um, wire. And, and I mean, I love many musicals, and it's hard to pick one. I, you know, I could never say of all time forever, but but it's been the front runner for for many years now. It was the first musical I went to when everything reopened. I like the mm-hmm. day Hades Town tickets went on sale. I was like, I'm buying one. I want to go be there. I think mm-hmm. I, I just I love how they tell that story and use the theater uh the convention of like theater and musical and epic and it's it just makes me cry every single time and i i learn something different about myself every time i don't know mm-hmm. i could talk about it forever so yeah excellent segue hey, love that this, show this is
0: the podcast to talk about it forever so oh, we're yeah. happy to talk about haiti sound as long as you want it's so
2: good it's right i'm not alone in this right it's no so no good.
0: it's so amazing good. Of all the shows of recent years, it's the one I've seen the most. Like, like oh, actively after act- actively went to seek it out, both on Broadway and on tour, because I just kind of needed to inject it into my veins.
2: It's something that I feel like, I mean, I, I got to see it. I went in knowing nothing. I saw it at New York Theatre Workshop, and I remember cool. then thinking, like, this is, the music is so special, and, and the way that they used that space was really smart. And so I was really excited for it on Broadway, and just... When I'm not like a a fine art person, I'm not a really visual thinker. So, I like when I go into museums, I don't really have responses to art, which is why I don't go to museums that much. When those walls opened and the lights came through, when they're going down Uh into Hadestown in Act One, I wept. I was I, like the way that every design element of that show comes together. And, and, like, and it
3: looks like such a simple oh, set and then it's full of surprises.
2: Full of surprises. The lights, the wall,
3: the...
2: I'm a huge Rachel Houck fan also. Like She was our set designer for How I Learned to Drive. And on our first mm. day of rehearsal, I like beelined to her. It's like, I love your work. So she also knew what the Constitution means to me. Sure, um, that's a great... Um, I just saw Goodnight Oscar. and like, She did that set. And I feel like her sets teach me how to watch the story. In a way sure. that I, I, I don't always know how, like how an environment is shaping what I'm seeing, and I feel like hers always do, and H- Hades Town is just done.
0: I feel like this. I feel like the set is a weird thing in a good way because like the set can be like exactly like you're talking about. Like it frames it. You don't think about it, but it, it awes you at certain points. And then there's the other side of it where it's like the nice thing you can say about a show you didn't like. is like, well, the set was nice, but like it was, I'm sure it was, but Uh it has a different effect when like the substance in front of it is like is is held up by kind of those pieces. It's like a fascinating, the set is like this weird thing that people use to like, for checkpoints when like doing reviews or talking about a show and mm-hmm. it can mean a whole slew of things.
2: Yeah, I, I heard a director once say something kind of along those lines where he was like the meanest thing, the way you, like I know someone hated my work was if they say the blocking was really, really good. <laughs> 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 and he's like, oh, you saw the blocking oh, yeah. then this play was over. Right. Oof. But, but it's like, you know, theater is alchemy and, and you need every element. Like, you know, sometimes all the elements don't gel together, but a couple yeah. of people really crushed it and their work shines through. And I, I'm i trying to remember the last time I like had a bad night at the theater. I'm just so happy to see. Yeah. You know, like Usually, usually everyone, someone did something extraordinary 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. And it might
0: be the usher, but and someone it, did something extraordinary. And it might
2: be the usher. Man, ushers are having a tough time right now. People are, you yeah. know, it's, they're, they're doing, they're kind of on the front lines of people, people learning how to yeah. be in space again.
0: Well, qu- so going back to your favorite musical question, yes. growing up, where did you grow up and and was it movie musicals for you? Was it, what, did you get to go to Broadway? Like, what was the show that kind of got you into it and, and how did you absorb that?
2: So I grew up in... Manhattan, to like two subway stops away from Broadway. And cool. my parents aren't in the theater, but they love it. And so they took me to shows starting when I was really young. I think I saw Cats when I was four. And that was my first Broadway show. Mm-hmm. I when didn't did know you see
4: if, Dogs? What? I said, when did you see Dogs?
2: When I saw Annie a couple of weeks after ah. that. <laughs> and that was, that was what really like, I think Cats was just magical to me. But Annie was when I kind of and Annie I saw first as the movie musical because it wasn't on Broadway until I was seven, which Mm -hmm. was, you know, ages when you're four and you're in love with musicals. Yes. Um, But I, I saw the movie musical of Annie. And that was when I kind of clicked into, Oh, I, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. I I don't fully understand the mechanics of like how one becomes an actor, but I know that I want to do whatever is happening on that screen. And then when Annie was on Broadway, And I got to go see, like, real-life girls my age doing a Broadway show. That's when I started to put together with my, like, New Yorker child brain. Like, oh, well, they figured out how to get to do Annie every single night. So surely there's a way, if I live in the same city, that I could figure this out. And so I, like, found Backstage Magazine and started kind of working on my parents and being like, I want to do this. And they are smart and reasonable people and said no for as long (laughs) as humanly possible, um, But because I was in New York and it was so accessible, they, you know, they had an open call for the TV movie of Annie that they made in 1999. And it was, it was, again, it was like a subway ride. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they took me and I got really close to getting it. And then it all kind of like spiraled from there where once i knew that it was so possible even though you know it's not it's hard sure. and i've actually um i sometimes forget i was never actually in annie because i auditioned for it so many times <laughs> <laughs>
3: um
2: but but each i also production
3: just you could have done what you pictured each production that you went in for like
2: oh yeah which were all yeah. versions of the same one because it was all like that 1999 revival yeah. torn mm-hmm. for many years um but my parents also like played rent in the car and I, you know, I loved Aida and I think I saw that a bunch of times as a kid. Um, I just, I loved Starlight Express. Um, I just, you know, <laughs> I was, I, I was very into going to the theater and having the experience of like being with all of these people and a story being told to us. And I think that's part of what, what got me into it was, understanding that the people on stage were giving me something that was so powerful and mm-hmm. wanting to be one of the people who gave that to other people. And sure. I, mean, I I mean, four year old me probably couldn't have explained it that way. And maybe that's not <laughs> how it started, but that's certainly how it has continued to evolve. And I think part of the reason I've kept doing it for as long as I have is because that has just gotten stronger and stronger. And the more I understand, you know, why musicals work on us so well and why having, you know, a feeling that's too big to speak, you have to sing it. A whole show that, like, a show like Rent that is all too big to speak, it all mm-hmm. has to be sung. And, like, you can feel that when you're just listening to it in the car. Like, Hamilton is another one where I was introduced to that from the soundtrack. And it's just, like, sure. this, is, this music is is giving me something so much bigger than just my everyday life. Um, it's a really special medium. And and then I kind of got into straight plays with Arcadia, I think was the first. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, you didn't book Annie, but you booked a Tom Stoppard play, so.
2: Yes. Weirdly, like, don't maybe have the voice to sing in a Broadway show, but have the brain to do a Tom Stoppard play, which <laughs> is, I think, a trait I just uh, didn't get to make a choice in, but is what happened. Um, yeah, and so that, I think I, I just kind of got pulled into straight plays more because that's where I was more skilled. But I remember also before I booked Arcadia, I saw August Osage County um, when the cast had just changed and Johanna Day had come in and taken over. And I remember that was the first play I saw where I was like, oh, this is why you do plays. Mm. This play has the stakes of a musical. Yes. And, and I remember watching her also and being like, oh, that's what acting is. That's what a performance that just tears the roof off of the theater without being allowed to sing, just having to use human words. Sure. Um and
0: Joanna, Joanna, Day, friend of the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Friend mm-hmm. of the show. I mean, friend to to friend to many all many of us. Yeah. Um yeah, she is. I think she's just one of the most talented people on the face of the planet. And so anyway, I, by the time I got the script for Arcadia, I kind of understood why one would do a play. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because yeah, I'd seen exactly. August Osage County. And, and Arcadia is also like a long play. Um, and I it is it is similarly epic in how it's building all of these ideas. Also talking about lava, you know, at the end of a play that is about fire and... and
0: To be fair, yes.
2: Thermodynamics and... Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Thomasina dies in that fire. And... Spoiler alert! Oh, spoiler alert! In case you don't know, <laughs> twenty years later, <laughs> yeah. That,
1: yeah.
2: Um,
4: so you were inspired by Joya Day, and then you got to work with her uh-huh. in your in with, how I, in, yeah in how I learned to drive.
0: Yeah. Before we get into how I learned to drive, you grew up in Manhattan. Do you yes. know how to drive?
2: I do know how to drive. Okay, cool. It is. It's like when I feel like when a Manhattanite puts a driver's license in the special skill section of their resume. Like they mean it, it really is a special skill. It's like not that usual. Yeah. My parents, again, very smart, reasonable people were like, you should know how to drive a car. Um, And, and they were right. It has been very useful many times um, in my life. I don't do it often, but I, (laughs) I feel very grateful to know how to do it.
0: (laughs) Anyway, back to the play.
2: Anyway, back to the play. But uh, yeah. so all that to say, I, I, I auditioned for Arcadia and I, you know, knew that that was something that I really wanted to do because it was such a big epic play and then I was an understudy and I got to go on and make my Broadway debut kind of at the last second one day and that that was a night where I felt that that feeling of um, as I was walking onto the stage before the show started like this voice came into my head that was like this night isn't about you. This is about the people, the the 1,100 people who are there, who have come looking for the thing that you get when you're in an audience. And your job for the next three hours is to give them that. And and that's what I did, and I had the best time. And, yeah, and, and then I got to do How I Learned to Drive with Johanna Day, and that was...
4: And Mary and, and Mary, Oh,
2: yeah, and Loki, Mary Louise Parker and David Morrison, no and I was Chris just, Myers, saying, no and big deal.
4: Two of the people who were revisiting the show, like... What like almost 20 years? Yeah, like almost 20 years later?
2: Twenty-five years later. It was supposed to only be twenty-three, and then there was a small global pandemic. Little little hiccup.
0: What was that like being the person surrounded by the veterans like of that show?
2: It was incredibly special because they came into it with both their past experience, like we kind of had two rehearsal processes. And then the first one, Chris Myers, who played the male Greek chorus, who was the the other uh, kind of new person to the process, we were both brand new to the play and the three of them and our director were coming in with, you know, 23 years of sitting with the play. But then in 2022, when we all came back together... Chris and I had been sitting with the play for two years. And so Mm. now we were all coming back to something at different times. And it's a play that I think is kind of sadly evergreen. You know, we're, we're still all trying to navigate how we have these conversations about relationships and um, crime and love and all of the messy gray area stuff that happens in that play. And so we, we, they were all revisiting it with in a different world. Chris and I got to come in and be members of that world, but then also have sat with it ourselves as the world changed again yeah. many times over. And um, so, it, so it's, it was it was the perfect play to because it's a kind of living, breathing document in many ways because it's it's a play that's always going to be commenting on both the kind of sexual politics landscape of the time, but also how people are confronting and dealing with trauma at any given time. Um, it It was incredible to get to come in and be both a new face and then also someone who'd been sitting with it. And they all approached it kind of as themselves at the ages that they were now as well, which changed it for them. So we were all discovering and rediscovering at the same time.
4: Sure. And you got to kind of run I mean I saw it You were fantastic Oh well, thank um, you But like you got, In the play You kind of get to run The gamut of playing A very young character mm-hmm. Through like a very Intense experience Yeah But you're also getting to play The grandmother And like mm-hmm. All these older So like What was it Like what was your process As an actor Kind of like Taking on not just Multiple roles But like Multiple roles From like The full gamut Of like Ages and experiences and things like that.
2: It was, you know, the the great thing about this that play and that track is that it feels like it looks like three different characters, but it is one track. And it's not accidental that it's the youngest woman in the play plays the oldest woman and the youngest. And is there are things that are being set up with the grandma? And what she is imparting onto her daughter and her granddaughter, that I then kind of just had to pick up the mantle from myself almost as the as little little bit. Um and, and a lot of that is because Paula wrote a perfect play. So it's it's pretty, it's you know, there's not a lot of sitting there going, Well, this doesn't make any sense. How am I gonna mm. make this work? How am I gonna mm-hmm. connect the dots? A lot of it was about for me coming into it just with really strong physicality to make sure that I was bringing... Because also that scene with the where I'm the grandma, I'm with my daughter and my granddaughter who are both being played by women who are older than me. And having to bring the energy, though, of that was my domain. They're in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to just work really physically in terms of, like, if I have all the status and all the power as the grandma and no status and no power as the 11-year-old, and I have... I'm totally beaten down as the grandma who has these rules and that's what I'm parroting. And then all of the optimism and hope of being an 11 year old who thinks she's free in this moment. And and a lot of it was also that I think I I tried to play with um, antithesis as much as possible in that way of like, the more excited I came into that last scene, the sadder it was going to be. And the more I felt, the more trust I had in, in um, uncle Peck. The worse that was going to be uh, and it was also a cool like theatrical sleight of hand where i never saw what was happening on the left side of the stage during that last scene i was like my scene partner was a light in front of me and david Morse's voice and it was cool to kind of just get to try to conduct the energy of that triangle knowing the audience again was having this really specific experience mm-hmm. um yeah, I always just keep coming back to like, what do I, what do I need to do to make sure the audience is understanding what we're doing, that they're getting what they need to feel the moving dynamic of the story. And usually I I try to work as like physically as possible because I think like when the words are perfect, as they are in how I learned to drive it and in our studio, it's, you know, it's, it's about how do you just embody them then? And how do you make sure it feels as real as possible?
1: mm-hmm
3: yeah. Yeah. And well, everyone understands. I feel like it's such a good way to put it for like everyone. Like, yeah. It's just, it's your job to interpret and present,
2: like, and communicate.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, well, there's also a place uh, that we like to go where uh, the audience doesn't know what's happening. Oh, no. uh, so that is. Tuesdays in the Corner corner
3: with with
0: Kevin.
3: Kevin's
4: (laughs) Corner. Welcome to Kevin's Corner where I get to do whatever I want to because it's awesome and it's my corner and it's super fun. Um, And since we're talking about how I learned to drive, uh, I thought I would bring up some stories about how I learned to drive that are nowhere near as intense as Miss Vogel's. Um, I can't wait. I will bring up a few stories, and we'll see where those lead to questions. Um, so, the first thing I found very funny when I moved to New York, because I grew up and learned to drive in Florida, um, was that there's this thing called parallel parking. Uh, we didn't. I didn't learn to parallel park in Florida. I didn't really know that was a thing. Got on the. Um, test? No, it wasn't on the test.
2: I didn't have to parallel park on my test either. Let me tell you, I would not have a driver's license if I had to parallel park. Or park. I
4: also would not have a driver's license. I don't understand the, the mechanics of it or any issue of it. I don't get anything about parallel parking.
2: Wait, but you took your
0: test in New York, right?
2: I actually took my Whoa. test in Connecticut, um, <laughs> which is also part of why I have a license. And then I waited six months and again got a New York license don't tell <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> it's amazing also still hilarious that they didn't make me parallel park i that's don't that's crazy yeah. parallel park in new
3: jersey
0: yeah my my jersey new jersey has one yeah. that i had i had to learn it yeah so i, I didn't learn how to parallel park yeah. at
4: all i think parallel parking's a ridiculous concept so my question for you is what parallels does your uh solo show have with the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
2: Um. Oh my God. It, it is directly parallel related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because my solo show, The Girl You Talk To, is my pitch for the possibility that Jesus was in fact a woman. And um, the Jesus story is what gave us Joseph Campbell hero journey structure, which is... The structure of every superhero movie. All superhero movies are the Bible. They are all the Jesus story. And so part of what my solo show is about is how important stories are and how seriously we need to take which ones we are telling because the trickle-down effect is so enormous. So the parallel between my solo show and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that I think if Jesus had been recorded as a woman, uh, our superhero movies would be different.
0: That worked out. Kevin's Corner questions.
4: Well done. So wow. like
2: parallel park, but I can crush it in Kevin's Corner. We're
0: really messing up this episode because I everything know. makes sense. <laughs>
2: okay. Right. I'm All a right. communicator. That's what I'm here to do, it's just to make sense.
4: I love it. I'm actually really proud of you. Okay. Um, so I learned to drive in a minivan, uh, like a sports, like a soccer mom, like Toyota Sienna, Forest Green mom van um, because my parents didn't trust me because I was a bad driver um, because I like to close my eyes and sing along with whatever Broadway album I was listening to um, while driving. And I definitely took out like four or five of my neighbor's mailboxes because I would just be singing and with my eyes closed and just slam into their mailbox. Um, Legit was a thing. Um, So my question is, uh, what is a crazy theater experience in your life that you look back at and like wish you could have just closed your eyes and not seen it happening.
2: Oh, um,
4: like a, a crazy snafu, like something yeah, bad that yeah, happened yeah. on stage.
2: Um, I'm trying to think, hold on. Something's going to come to me. Um, um, Oh, well, when I was in um, Our Dear Dead Drug Lord, there was a crazy ending that that happened that we never quite knew how people were going to respond to it. Mm. And we found that out very quickly on our second preview when in the middle of this crazy thing that happens, a man got up and started screaming at us. And then walked into the lobby still screaming and was like, I don't I, I heard later that he was like throwing stuff around in the lobby. I don't know. I was on stage though, and and we didn't, we hadn't yet had a conversation, which we did immediately after that, that show about like mm-hmm. how we will pause the show next time something happens and how here's how we're all gonna get off stage. Um, here's, you know, kind of what our protocol is. But this is our second preview, so we didn't know. And um I actually, I can't say I want to go back in time and close my eyes and and wish I wasn't seeing it because that's all I did in that moment. Right. And this was happening was I was lying on stage, I was covered in blood and I just closed my eyes and like held my breath until it was clear we could go on. And that's probably still to this day and I hope remains forever the craziest thing that has ever happened oh, to me insane. in a theater. Kevin, um, did we
3: see that show together?
4: We did, at the
3: W? Yeah, the yeah. WP. Yeah. Yes. Now I'm trying to imagine yeah. what someone would
2: yell, oh, it was I mean, a bad word, I'm sure over and over very loudly. did
0: oh that happen God. a lot
2: <clears throat> um it that was the only time it was that crazy. We did have to pause the show, I think one or two other times. I think someone had someone had a seizure, I think from like the the lights at yeah. in that section um, and we you know, we would hear stuff in the audience, but. Sure generally i think people start i think they did a really good job um with the messaging of like the marketing that people started understanding like when i'm coming to this i know i don't know exactly what's going to happen but i'm i understand this is not maybe casual fare and so Mm -hmm. i think people the they did a really nice job preparing people without giving anything away so it was really just that little that like first week that things were a little um Crazy, but people people were not shy about talking to me when I was leaving the theater about like their experience. That's I, I, I oh. never quite had that before. Where like oh, no. people felt very much like they were my friend and would say good or bad. Like sometimes I would walk out and little girls would just hug me, and sometimes other people would be like, would you know, give their unfiltered opinion about it. Oof. Um, oh. Which that's fine. I mean, I think again, like we're all having an experience together, and I kind of I when I'm. When I've slept enough and like I'm hydrated enough and I'm awake and and you know psyched when I'm leaving, I'm I'm always happy to talk to people about their genuine experience of what like their non critical mm-hmm. thinking feeling. They're just like gut reaction to what they just saw. Um, that's yeah, that's generally really fun for me. So that was probably the that. craziest.
4: Um, great. And then the third question, you're doing really well. You're almost yeah. out of the woods, um, oh. the metaphorical woods, uh, but. Oh. The third question is, so today I was doing some research on like crazy driving questions and like people taking their driving test because um, I was trying to find like a fun little quiz. But like sad day, there aren't really very many fun quizzes out there. Um That's Terrible. I know. I mean, there are quizzes that are kind of. They start to be fun, and then they're not fun. It it was not a fun experience. (laughs) But (laughs) what I did did learn was what, which was fun, was I was reading about like the most common things that people get wrong on like their writing drivers tests. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people struggle with the most is understanding what the lines mean on the road, depending on what Mm -hmm. like the colors and the like the uh, type of line. Like people like struggle that like a white dashed line means that like your both lanes are going the same direction. So you can cross between. But a yellow dashed line means that like the people on the other side are going the opposite direction, but you can still pass. Right. And then sometimes there's a dashed line, but a dot da- like a, and a solid line. So it means like if you're on the dashed line side, you can pass, but the solid line people can't pass. So there's all these like rules that people like mess up on and like Gives people super anxiety because they like just struggle with boundaries, and so that's my, been driving with Kevin.
2: I'm panicking just <laughs> listening to you describe. I'm going, do I know this?
4: Right? Yeah. It's it's. <laughs> do I remember? I, I was like, uh, and that was actually one of the reasons that I didn't want to do the quiz because the one cool <laughs> quiz I found, I was like, I don't know most of these answers, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I don't fail. want to sound stupid too because it's my corner and I'm supposed to sound smart. So my question is: since people have struggling with boundaries and like what the boundary lines mean. What are some boundaries that you think are being placed on young actors today that you would encourage them to uh, ignore in order to find more success and fulfillment?
2: I think the, the most immediate one is anybody who tells you to pick one thing and stay in your lane, don't listen to them. I I don't. I think it's so antithetical to storytelling to like decide. Oh, I'm only. I I should only do one of the things. I should only be an actor or a writer or a director. Like I I have, I I can't think of anything more wonderful than when you're being driven by I want to tell this story. So I guess if I'm the best person to write it and direct it, then I'll write it and direct it. If I'm not, if I should just direct it and produce it, uh, great. If if I should just act in it, great. But I think I I would tell anyone who's like being pushed into having you know role job boundaries don't go mm-hmm. follow your heart follow the stories that are exciting to you um and and similarly any boundary around type look brand don't don't even it is again like that's not what we're making art for our job as artists is to break all of those boundaries and all of those barriers and show every different kind of human and tell every different kind of human story. And right now we're still telling the, like this tiny percentage of the human experience in our stories. And we're showing this tiny percentage of what humans look like on our stages and on our screens. And so nothing, don't listen to anyone who's trying to give you any kind of type or look or telling you to make yourself a certain way, just uh, in your art and outside of it. Like, I know it's so cliche to be yourself, but, but I would say maybe just like become yourself, keep excavating. Like, what does that mean to you? Spend all the time you would spend on headshots for this different look. on just like, who are you? And the last one is any, um, there are no rules when it comes to reaching out, reach out to people. I love finding the people. I don't care. Like you would be amazed the people who I've written to as an actor submitting a headshot who will not write back to me compared to the people who make things who I have written to as an interested fellow artist, where I'm like, you made this thing that I love. I want to make similar things. Would you have coffee with me? The, the people who have, who I've had coffee with and started mentor, mentee friend relationships with is incredible to me. People want to talk about their art. People want to help the next generation keep the candle lit and and bring, you know, bring that light forward. And when people reach out to me, I'm never like, no, I don't want to help you learn how to start a company and produce a play. I'm like, yes, another person who has a story they want to tell. Yes, come, come, come. So follow your heart and follow the stories that you want to tell. And don't anyone who's trying to give you boundaries within that, like I would be very skeptical.
4: You know what? Cross those lines, no matter what color they are, kids.
2: Yes, <laughs> fail the quiz.
0: Unless you're driving. Unless,
2: Unless you're driving, yeah. then Unless please learn follow what the they driving are. rules. <laughs> follow the driving rules, and always be polite. Always lead with manners. Don't violate people's personal boundaries. You know the huge. And yeah.
4: Alyssa, Alyssa, you made it without any citations. Congratulations,
2: <laughs> oh <my God>. yeah. <laughs> you made Kevin's corner. <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Um. So, Kevin. Had already mentioned your solo show, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about that, The Girl You Talked To. um, That's going to be at the West End Theater uh, from June 21st through July 9th, so check it out. Um, I will post the link to get tickets in the description of this episode, um, so you can check that out. You can also follow... Um, Alyssa on Instagram, I'll put that in the caption of this description of this as well. Um, but, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about where this show came from. I know you, you started to talk about it a little bit. Like I'd love to hear a little bit more of kind of the concept and what you hope people will get from this, the way that you talk about the experience that an audience has.
2: Yeah. So, I I mean, at its core, like I said, it, it is a story about the importance and power of stories and, um, my company pocket universe is dedicated to reconsidering and reimagining classic stories and conventions and we did a bunch of shakespeare and i knew the next thing we had to go back further we had to go back to the first not the first story but one of the much earlier stories and yeah. um and and i the girl you talk to is me using My experience of being told last year that I was running out of time to have children and my 17 years of Roman Catholicism and a lot of late night Googling to try to show (laughs) side by side using my story up against Jesus's story. I want to create some reasonable doubt that this was supposed to be the story of a man. And, and also like caveat to all of this, when I say Jesus was a woman, this isn't like an oversimplification for marketing purposes. I'm not trying to push any version of womanhood. I just think that Jesus's body and experience of it were a lot closer to mine because when we look at these two kinds of bodies on earth, there is one that gets to 30 and is told you have a divine power, but only four more years to use it before it's a geriatric pregnancy. And and it comes with, I mean, the Jesus timeline is so different than all of the other stories that we have in these religious texts. And the New Testament, we know, was supposed to be a reset from the Old Testament. We knew someone else was coming to lead. And I just, it feels so clear to me that it, it couldn't have been a man. And more importantly... I think the world would be really different as a result if women had been given any kind of divine provenance on planet Earth. And I think it's, I'm really skeptical, but I, uh, that, that that's not what was supposed to happen. But, but also I don't think we think about stories as, um, I don't think we ever really stop and look at the direct correlation between the stories that we're reading and seeing and hearing and how it directly impacts our behavior and the world that we're walking through and like we were talking about like the hulu ads for sure. campaigns like those are stories the the way that a that a campaign ad functions is the same as the way uh Town functions sure. it's all and so it, it really it, it matters who tells the stories and so i'm i'm this is like the uh, I'm not like other girls of solo shows like I because I actually like really need something from the audience. I really need people. I'm, I'm basically doing like a three week s- sample of whether I convince people or not. So um, mm. so when you come in like it's you're not coming in as like a passive listener. This isn't for me to just vent about, you know, my life in the Bible. It's I want to see if this makes sense to people because I do take storytelling really seriously and I don't want to go on like a bender trying to change the world because this story was written down wrong if people don't, you know, think there's something to it. So, so it's going to be this three week run in a theater inside of a church, which I think is perfect. And, um, hopefully at that, at that intersection of religion and theater, um, people will get to see my story up against this story that we think we know very well and see if maybe they unlock each other. And if we want to, make any changes going forward
0: love that that's really cool um that's very cool do people vote (laughs) like are you just do you have like i can't tell you
2: how it's gonna i can't tell you how it plays out but like um but you should come prepared to to listen and make a decision for sure
3: cool that's also the most like
2: how you've been describing your
3: thoughts on acting and performance just seems like it lends itself to do this because you're like, you want to make people understand and you want people to like side with you. And so now you've created this thing where you're just like, do you get it?
2: Yes, well, because on like a very, per- like on a, on a personal level, you know, the experience of getting the information that I got last summer about my body was I was blindsided and we don't really have a metric for or a, a mechanism for talking about it. And so the impulse behind this show wasn't like, I need to do a solo show now. It was like, oh, I am now sitting on a huge amount of information that I should not be the only person who has. I want to make sure that anyone who is making decisions about their body um, in kind of in any direction has the information that I now have about what's available, what you can, I mean, what, what people are incentivized to try to get you to do how to ask yourself questions about what you want to do. You know, it's, it's a very, and what I found was that it's actually like, and this is why it needed to be a play in a theater is that it's not a Ted talk. I can't just sit down and like Mm -hmm. tell people, here's how to make these decisions. It's like, it's a pretty spiritual endeavor of what do I want to do with my body? Um, Kind of, and, and not just about having children. Like it kind of opened this bigger question of like, In general, what do we want to do with these, these vessels that we have? And how do we go about asking ourselves those questions, especially when half the population has no divine anything to look at of like our bodies matter and, and we do have agency or we should have agency. Um, so it it very much came from a place of I want to communicate with people about this, which is why the audience has a role to play in it as well. That it's, it's like a group effort of, yeah. Does this make sense? Am I making sense? Am I clear? Yeah.
0: <laughs> here. Cool. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I all the information for that is in the description here. Again, June 21st to July 9th, the girl you talk to uh, the West end theater in New York. Um, but should we play a game?
3: Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. <clears throat> I have a game called the confessional.
2: I just got chilled avoided that for
4: I know right
3: Um, it will be the silliest best confessional you've ever been on because it is basically just theater kid truth no dare I Um, I have just a pile of shows in my Lights of Broadway show cards when it's your turn I'll sort of flip through and pick one whatever comes up tell us like a confession or a truth about that show even if it's something like I have never seen it and I've never, and I keep telling people I have like, like, I can imagine I like, Oh, I pretend to know what people are talking about when they talk about that show. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just something silly that comes to mind when you think of that show. Excellent. Um, Kevin, do you want to confess first?
4: Yes, please. <laughs> I need to get it off my chest.
3: All right, Here, kind of like, say when, and then I'll <laughs> pick a card for you. When? <clears throat> Hamilton.
4: Oh, okay. Um, a confession <laughs> about Hamilton.
3: I will not give you any hail marys to say at the end of this, just so everyone knows.
4: Um, I. What's a good confession about Hamilton? Oh, um, this is just a fun story that I don't know if I ever shared. But uh, so, what? Uh, when friends of the show Aaron J. Albano and Nikisha Williams were in Hamilton on tour. Uh, I flew home to Florida to see the Hamilton tour with my parents um, when it was in town, and they went. And then afterward, uh, Nikisha and Aaron, like we met them at a bar across the street from the theater, like at a hotel, to have some drinks. And there were people from the show, like audience members, also in the same bar. And so, when Nikisha and Aaron walked over, um, all of these people realized they were from the show. And so, like, they they end up having to, like, do meet and greet in this lobby bar with, like, 15 <laughs> random Jacksonville, Florida people who were just, like, and they were all just, like, I love that show. I watched it on Disney+, Plus, but, like, this was so good in person. Like, all of them were saying the same thing over and over again. Um, and so it was really funny to watch, like, the two of them were, like, can you just meet us for a quick drink? And it turned into an entire meet and greet session. And I didn't feel bad about it because they were actually really cute. So that's my confession.
2: Thanks. That's lovely. Yeah. Love an impromptu meet and greet. Right? <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Especially in a bar. Amen. And, uh, yeah, fair. Yeah,
2: they and I think I drink. think they
4: knew that they were in the show because Nikisha still had some of her stage makeup on. So it was yeah, just like, one. you know when a girl walks in and they just have like, when a girl walks in, her hair is like slicked back and she has like, all of the makeup on you're like oh you were in a
0: play yeah (laughs) totally
2: (laughs) (laughs) unless you're me in a play and you're playing an 11 year old and you have no makeup on and no one recognizes you
0: ever
2: (laughs) 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 you look like you just rolled out of bed and of course you just rolled off of broadway but sure yeah
3: (laughs) all right brian you want to pick a card
0: Yeah, yeah sure when
3: how to succeed in business without really trying
0: um I've never seen a stage production of it. Ooh. I've only seen the movie. I've never seen it on stage. I didn't see Daniel Radcliffe. I didn't see um uh Matthew Broderick. I didn't see uh Jonas Brother. Although here's a fun thing I uh, I I was the manager and a lead waiter at a restaurant in Chelsea for, like, a long time. And Nick Jonas was one of my regulars. And we would, we would stay open after we closed so that he can come in with his bodyguard and just, like, have a meal by himself after, like, a long um, day of, like, doing the show. Um, so I, I didn't become friendly with him. But, like, I was the one who closed up and waited on him. And he's truly the nicest person. He was so kind – His uh, bodyguard was super nice, too. Um, I think he was renting a place in Chelsea at the time going back and forth from the theater, but he would walk to and from the theater. Um, He was just he was just so nice. He was he always thanked me profusely because um, he had to get his he had to keep his blood sugar up um and so um he's diabetic, he's diabetic yeah. so he would test yeah. like we like set everything up for him he would have the meatloaf that we that we made like the, the fancy say, meatloaf
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah just like a fancy yeah he had a regular order it was our not your mother's meatloaf it was basically a, a giant meatloaf um meatball um with um with barbecues with the house-made sauce oh. over the top um with yes. mac and cheese and truffle oil over the top that and was was Nick Jonas
2: day. knows how to order.
0: Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well done. Yeah, but he was, what a delightful guy. Like, truly, I, you know, like, I had no issues keeping the restaurant open for him because, like, I wasn't going anywhere, and like, I was just going to go home, and he was just so, so grateful. And so, like, yeah, sure, of course, I'll be a part of your day. That's fine. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, too. All right, Alyssa, are you ready?
2: I'm so ready.
3: Okay, tell me when.
2: When? I hope your
4: confession is like I murdered someone in that show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My confession is that I have baked a person into a pie. (laughs) (laughs) My confession about Sweeney Todd is that I have seen the revival twice already. Already? Wow. I just, that's, and I cried both times. Nerd. I know. (laughs) There's just, I mean, nothing. That is one of the best scores it's so I just good. think it's so good and and like visceral and, and the premise of the musical is so so insane. Um yeah, I big big fan.
4: This cast is incredible too.
2: Yeah. And oh
4: man. Yeah. Sometimes when you have a cast this stacked, it can feel like it's like a bunch of standout performances in the same show. No. But this show, it's so well integrated that everyone is just, they're doing their job, they're playing their part like just the way they should. Yeah. And they're making magic happen in, like for the show, not for themselves.
2: Absolutely. They're all in the same production of Sweeney Todd, which I think is really hard. And it, like that, it's also a big principal cast. Yeah. I think that like, getting in any like getting all of them kind of in the same place is probably hard in every production and And isn't it like
3: it's all such wildly different people that Sweeney Todd can lend itself to being like they're in a different show yeah
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's so nice to see a like full ensemble Sweeney Todd like we've had a couple in the past few years that have been gorgeous but have been like the stripped bear so it's just really great to hear an ensemble of like over 10 people like really like getting all those harmonies like it's really like it's giving you the chills it was meant to when it was written
2: i think that's what's so cool about that score too though is like i saw the one in the pie shop and i watched the youtube videos of like the um the actor musician one and it's 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 still it works you know like i love Mm -hmm. like they're both that's what's also so exciting about theaters that you can have so many different versions of something that are Mm -hmm. all so good for different reasons
4: amen
3: I know. I loved The Pie Shop, but the idea of like a big production of it, I'm just like, well, I don't know. But I so can't.
4: good. No, you
3: should go see it. It's, it's Limited
4: time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Where I can sit in the theater. Okay. I'll confess something. Yes, please. Someone tell when?
4: me. Do it quick before you have a baby. The Prom! Okay.
3: I loved this show so much. <laughs> that is my confession. Is that I laughed so hard, I told everyone they had to come see it with me. Um, my friend worked the merch counter, and I literally like met up with her one day and to buy a "We Are All Lesbians" shirt to give to my husband for his birthday for Christmas I love oh. it, because we were both so obsessed with it. And one of my what did it, oh I sent Jay a TikTok the other day that was just someone unboxing their Drama Desk award, but for the sole purpose of me watching him watch this TikTok so that I can make the joke. You know what it looks like. Because if it's our favorite joke from any musical ever, maybe, of when Brooks's character, um, like, whose character? Oh, Beth Level's character is showing her Tonys trying to try and get a better room. And then Brooks just throws down a drama desk. And she goes, what is that? He goes, it's a drama desk. You know what it looks like.
0: Oh, I <laughs> love that so much.
3: That part is so good. I, so I went to the drama desk. We just go,
2: I know what it looks like. You know, I, you, I don't know what it looks like. So I never saw the prom, but I feel like I did because two of my friends saw it. And then I met up with them afterwards and they reenacted all of their favorite parts for me on 50th and Broadway. Uh, like, in front of the 50th the Street One station, and uh-huh. that part wasn't in their reenactment, which I'm now going to send them some notes Same, about. Right, that's a problem. It's a problem. That's clearly one of the best jokes. But I feel like I've seen it otherwise because I got a two-person rendition of it.
3: I mean, it was just, like, one of those joyous <clears throat> nights at the theater that I was just, like... And then we had family come to town, and we were like, we're taking you to the prom! Like, <laughs> we loved it.
4: The That's, that's the Unruly heart song is still one of like the, like a very small number of songs. So like anytime I hear it, I just like start cr- like It like makes me cry. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, it just is like such an honest open. Like there's not fancy lyrics, but it's just like right. very like bare and open. And it's just like so beautiful. It's
3: just a good night, a joyous evening at the theater, which you yeah. need. You yes. need it.
4: You need it. Oh, my God. I love that.
3: Oh, my goodness. That has been our confessional.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. That was fun. That was good. That was a good game. (laughs) Um, Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, check out The Girl You Talked To June 21st through July 9th at the West End Theater. Again, check out the description uh, of this podcast episode. The link for tickets will be in there. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time.
2: Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. And and come see the girl you talked to because I need your help. I need some I need people to listen and tell me if this makes <laughs> sense or not. So yes. yes, yes. Uh, cool. that'll it's like a game in and of itself.
0: Fantastic. Perfect. Um, well, um, you know, if we end every episode with a quote. We do. We do. Uh and today's quote is uh uh Suddenly, I hear music in the sound of your name, Rosemary, from Aww. a show I've never seen on Broadway or live. How <laughs> to succeed. Brian Ploski? did you not have a
4: quote prepared, even though we do actually end every single episode of the quote? No. <laughs> I saw it was only because your eyes di- darted one, like, to the, fully to the right the and I was like oh he does not have one
0: plan." <laughs> there is a big blank space in quote to wrap it up in my uh, rundown of the episode so that was well, but that you tied I, it
2: together oh,
0: I tied it together.
2: But, <laughs> but isn't it crazy in those eyes. moments
0: of panic where you just need one quote from any Broadway
4: show in the world your brain gone. suddenly can't remember <laughs> anything but like no. toothpaste toothpaste yeah, like, chipotle. Musical. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Like, oh chipotle the musical will be a musical in the next five years i have no doubt someone has that ip <laughs> and is working on it well, Oh my god, out of chipotle especially yeah.
4: the way chipotle is like taking over midtown does anyone notice that it's like, like anytime a store closes i'm like oh my god that store's closing and like all of a sudden within five minutes there's like uh, opening soon at chipotle <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm not mad about it honestly not mad. not <laughs>
4: mad. i'd rather like I will be okay with Midtown is literally just like a smattering of Broadway theaters surrounded by Starbucks and and Chipotle.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Tacos and theater. What else do we need? Yeah. We're good. That sounds great
0: to me. Yeah. Um, but you can follow us wherever you find following things. No, you can follow us wherever you get social media. Um, At Broad Wasted. Um, Of course, uh, our Patreon is still up and running. And and we've got some awesome stuff there. Uh, Facebook group, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on all those at Broad Wasted. And then, of course, find us wherever you get podcasts. Things like Spotify. Things like Stitcher. Of course, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five Five stars, stars, please. please. thank you. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate this. was such a blast, and we hope you had a good time too.
2: I had the best time. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Of course. And as we end every episode, we raise a glass, and we say, "Zoot Zootah, Cheers,
1: Cheers!"
0: And remember when I forced you all to do that in our first episode, and here we are, and, yet, and it here became we are, a, a thing. Four hundred episodes in. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Has there really been 400
3: episodes?
0: Something like that. I don't
2: know. That's incredible. It's weird.